0: Hello, Spacemakers. Sarah popping in here to say that I have the solution to all of your holiday gift needs. Or maybe if you yourself just need a bold earring for a holiday happy hour Zoom meeting, you can get incredible earrings made by my co-host Josie at her Etsy shop at shop.thej. And during this holiday season, you can use the code filthyanimal to get 20% off. So make sure that you check that out. She's got everything from earrings to necklaces to barrettes. I know you'll find something that you're going to love or someone that you love will love. Recording. Hello. Welcome to the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making space literally and figuratively for people, from designers to folks who coach people in their own industries, from people who work on inclusion. This is the podcast for it all. I am one of the co-hosts, Sarah Heath, and this is the other co host Josie Jimenez That's and me. Josie just got back from Mexico. Did you get back this morning or last night? I got back last night from Guadalajara. 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 The <laughs> <to say. laughs> hey, um, and so this trip was for a wedding.
1: Yes, um, I braved coronavirus to go to my cousin's wedding because um, I have a ton of homophobes in my family. Oh. Who refused to attend my gay cousin's wedding? So, um, my stubborn brain was like, mm, "Gotta go." Nope, gotta stick <laughs> it to the man, to my grandmother. Who's <laughs> the man? How was it crossing the border? Um, actually, cross getting to Mexico is always easy, but coming back, let me tell you this little story, actually, because I'm really pissed about it. <laughs> I- <laughs> The flight back from Guadalajara was intense because I was sitting next to the white trashiest people ever. Hey, okay. No, like they were talking about super loudly on a plane with a ton of children about, you know, Mexican beach orgies and getting arrested in Mexico. Oh, dear. And getting released after like saying they had coronavirus. Stuff like that, you know, like intense. Okay, okay. Intense um they were also talking about you know fake birth certificates but anyways that's they sound great it was a terrible flight um i was watching the queen's gambit on full blast thank god but so we cross the border or we cross through the they have a bridge that you can cross from the airport to the u.s side and i get stopped by border patrol of course the little girl with intense immigration um trauma is stopped by border patrol
2: (laughs) because
1: yep. my passport was apparently reported stolen which what? i use my passport all the time i don't have a real id which i don't know if that's just a california thing but i don't have a real id so i have to take my passport when i fly
0: real id is the name of it it's not that a real she has a right. real id it's just
1: real id is the anyway sorry yeah just to clarify need a, yeah it's yeah so i uh i get stopped and I get pulled over and uh, I just have to sit there like a little dum-dum you can't use your phone in the facility so you're just kind of sitting there waiting um and they're like yeah uh we have to take your passport because it's reported stolen and I'm like by me I I stole it I-, I I'm right here this is my picture this is this is me so they took my passport after hours of just sitting there and I- your
0: husband was your partner with you was Ryan with you
1: yes he was with oh, me okay, which good, is good. funny because he also got stopped because the computer messed up scanning his passport but he got to keep his passport so this little wander bug has your no passport you are <laughs>
0: stuck
1: so so you sad. know
0: it's funny my friend today uh who lives in canada and is like every time i go back to canada there's just restaurant called swish la and they could sponsor us if they want to and it's like a chain and most people it's like not a bougie chain. And so most people don't like going to Swiss chalet, but I'm famous in my friend group for being like, can we go to Swiss Mm chalet? So the first thing he asked, he asked a great question today. He said, if all of this was over and you could just do anything you wanted, what would you want to do? And it made me think about it. And I thought I would travel back to Canada. I miss my family. i like my aunts. I miss my Um, we've got a lot going on in our family right now. And like I feel like I need to be there, but the border is closed for us. But I would also sit with my friend and I said, I'd love to sit in a bar with you and just talk with with you because he's like the best person to just sit and talk with. And I said, and I would make you go to Swiss Chalet. And I think people feel so bad for me that I haven't been able to have Swiss Chalet during (laughs) this time. One of my friends actually gave me the gravy. It's like a certain kind of gravy that they make and you know me I'm like a super healthy eater but I'm willing to just mount out on this stuff it's so good but I think all of us are getting the travel bug because all of us are kind of like oh gosh there's the light at the end of the tunnel but we've still got time before we got to get there so what how are you gonna get your passport back is there a way
1: I have to call like the state department which sounds weird right like I'm just yeah just call the the whole department of the whole state and try to find your little passport it's, um, it's fine as the uh, also all these immigration offices were all immigrants with heavy accents. And I felt betrayed as a you know immigrant. Well, there is biblical precedence where they used,
0: uh, like the tax collectors were all Jewish folks. And so oftentimes mm-hmm. we use people, the idea being that they're supposed to be more empathetic, but it actually ends up usually yeah. being worse.
1: And my poor so. dad was the one that was picking us up, so I had to just like text him real quick also sneaking. I was like, um, I have been detained by border patrol, but I think it's fine. My he was probably panicking. He was sitting there for hours. And my right. dad, and, and I, he's yeah. someone who's gone through a lot of immigration issues. Mm-hmm. Yikes. I mean, also fortunately for my emotional well being, I was able to walk out and say, like, Dad, fuck these pigs you know, like just Oh dear kid. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, my dad was we uh when it comes to immigration, it's my dad and I against the world, you know?
0: <laughs> well, Josie, it is part of your story. And I am really glad that I didn't know it was happening when it was happening live, because I would be a little bit of a mom in that situation and be a little worried about you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all is well that ends
1: well when I well, get my passport back.
0: We're glad to have you back. <laughs> we're glad to have you back so that we can talk to um, more about kind of some really exciting things that are going on in the world of making spaces. Um. Mm-hmm. When Josie and I, when I asked Josie to be part of this, um, I knew I was bringing on someone who just has the ability to take something and scale it. And so one of the things that Josie and I just created was a Patreon, uh, which is a way that you can support us because we would love to start getting um, help with production. And we are so grateful to Stephen Burnett, who had been Um, Editing for us, but now Josie stepped into that role. And if you can't tell, Josie has a lot of roles already, not just getting (laughs) arrested. Um, And so if you could support us, it would be great. But we are going to give something back to you. There are makers' boxes that have exciting things in it. I'm actually in conversation today with some of my friends who are artisans and getting their work out through this. So it's a really exciting thing. Um, But we already have two folks who have joined our Patreon ranks, our newest making spaces, spacemakers, Matthew Lee and Billy Ann Dunn. We are grateful for you and we're saving a spot for you and some merch.
1: We love ya. We so do love stoked. you.
0: Before we talk about this incredible episode, and I know I say it every week, but I just get blown away by the people we get to talk to, but Josie and I bo- both want the same thing for Christmas um, from you. We need you and want you to leave us a review on podcasts, Apple Podcasts, because it helps other people listen to it. And it also, there's some not very nice reviews. And so we need your help balancing that out. It's not that they're not nice. You just know me, I like five stars. And there was a couple one star reviews. From who? It doesn't tell you. They didn't leave any nasty messages either. They just gave us once.
1: Oh, you know, it's people that don't like my potty mouth.
0: It's fine. It's probably people who don't like your potty mouth or maybe they don't like me
1: nah it's probably my potty mouth (laughs) (laughs) let's be realistic here
0: (laughs) all right well speaking of your potty mouth we uh you actually didn't have a potty mouth at all during this episode but we got to speak to a friend of mine who uh her name's laura foster and she's actually originally from montana which was so incredible for me to know because this girl is like the most ellie i actually thought she was from new york originally because she is a fashionable, fashionable human. In fact, she was a fashion designer pinnacle of her career and still was asking the question of, do I like this job at all? And so she uh, decided to leave this very lucrative career and has been coaching folks. And she coached like some really big names out there, guys. She has coached folks from uh, different companies like Netflix, NBC, Google, and she just works on helping people move and make the transition from being a hum- human doing to a human being. So um, Josie, anything you want to say before we jump into this interview?
1: Um, get ready for some pretty intensely chill and encouraging energy. Just her yeah. being is very, I mean, she's exactly what you'd want a life coach to be, not Uh like those go get it go do it just do it not that kind she's just like what are you what are you feeling right now you know what do you want to create yeah it's like big questions it's not
0: it's like it's like she just asked you what kind of coffee do you want but she asked you the biggest life question like what do you want your legacy to be Mm -hmm. and she gives away some pretty amazing soul-centered coaching for free on this episode. So make sure you listen to this maybe more than once and maybe write down the questions she asked. Cause I really believe as we step into 2021, um, some of the advice she's giving us, some of the questions she's asking us are going to be the most important questions as we make space for ourselves and others. Yep. Think of this as your first free session. That's all right. Hop in, enjoy the listen. (laughs)
2: So I I knew I wanted to be in fashion. I spent all of my 20s traveling around, living in some fabulous places, working in restaurants and art galleries. And I ended up in Maui for two years and Maui Community College had a fashion program. So I thought I need to get serious about my career because I was 28. So I started fashion school and moved to San Francisco to help a couple friends of mine from college start a business. Um, ended up working for a Summer Tompkins' daughter, no, Susie Tompkins' daughter, Summer. She had this little hat and handbag company. I went in as a production assistant, which is watching cut tickets and moving bolts of fabric around and worked my way up to a design job with her moved to Oxnard from San Francisco, which is our under-director job, thinking, I'm going to move to the country and make vinegars in my kitchen. And it was such culture shock to move to Oxnard from San Francisco. It wasn't for me. And then I decided to take a year off and write a book. I was going to go to Colorado and stay with my sister, and 9-11 happened. And everybody started screaming at me, you'll never get a job in fashion again. You know, the a superfluous industry. And so I took a job in LA that was supposed to be for three months, and it ended up being 17 years with that job. And I did, I did reach the pinnacle of this career that i would set out to excel in. Um, I worked for a good company, I was making good money, I traveled well. And then in 2007, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it forced me to really look at everything that was going on in my life. And I realized this job that I was supposed to love, that was supposed to bring me so much satisfaction, I hated it. I wasn't happy, it wasn't making me happy. I didn't get married, I didn't have kids, because I was so focused on career, and it You know, with a diagnosis
0: like that, it's like, well, now what do I do? How do I get myself out of it? Hi, friends. Welcome to the Making Spaces podcast. I am the co-host, Sarah Heath, and this is my other co-host.
1: Josie Jimenez.
0: That's me. You notice, I'm so awkward. Like, I never know how to intro you. Like, I Um, might be the worst type person.
1: Yeah, I never know how to just say my name so I say in the house or that's me or- yeah <laughs> we actually had to edit out your last member. <laughs> oh yeah I really did not know how to start it off so I was like this is Josie in this bitch <laughs> yeah it was Classic.
0: Um, we yeah. are excited today to be joining, uh, to be joined by, I should say, Laura Foster, who is uh, basically a coach for folks, but it's like soul-centered coaching. And we've had a couple coaches on before for people who work with entrepreneurs and kind of make space for people's work. But Laura's got kind of a unique perspective in that she's worked in the industry of design um, for years and years and years. And through her own process that I'll let her tell a little bit more later, kind of realized it wasn't enough. She had reached the pinnacle. She had gotten to the top that we're all working so hard to get to and thought, nah. And then trying to figure out what does that mean and how can she help other people if they're feeling a little bit that way. So she actually has a master's degree, which I think is incredible in spiritual psychology, which I um, think is such a neat thing to sort of integrate in. She's opened a bunch of businesses herself, so she knows what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And more than that, she's also my friend. So she's worked with a bunch of incredible people from folks uh, at NBC, Netflix, all those kind of things. Her resume is incredible, but she's also just a great friend and someone everyone should have to bounce their ideas off and make space for themselves. So one of my favorite things she says is that you are a human being, not a human doing, which um, she has to say to me often, it's an Enneagram three. I really like to be a human doing. So Laura. You um, said you listened to the show, so you're a little bit cheating. Our opening question that we ask everybody is what is one of your favorite spaces and why?
2: And that's such an interesting question. And I can have a hundred different answers to that, but my favorite space is I grew up in the mountains in Montana. And for about six years, when I was in grade school, we lived right on a lake in the mountains and our picture window in our dining room looked over the lake. And so in the winter time with all the snow, it was so magical. So I don't go back to Montana very often, but every time I go back there, I go to that house, to that backyard, to that view. And there's something just really expansive about that for me.
0: Well, and Montana is like a magic, magic place. Mm-hmm. Josie, have you ever been to Montana?
1: Um, the Midwest is not a place I have ventured to, unfortunately. Did we uh, call that the
0: Midwest? It's like up. Well, it is. It, it is. is. Okay. This yeah. is an ongoing conversation with Josie and I because
1: I'm like Where is this magical Midwest everyone talks about? Because I don't understand it. (laughs) Yeah, I know like West Coast, which Colorado kind of counts, I guess. The Southwest, Midwest, and then the East Coast, I think is the regions. But I have not ventured to the Midwest. Um, There's not a lot of Mexican food there, so I don't know if I want to (laughs) go.
0: That's literally your sole judgment on whether you want to go to a space or not? Uh, Yes.
1: Absolutely. 100% as a Mexican. Yes.
2: There's definitely more Mexican food now than there used to be. I will say that.
1: In Montana. Yeah, I've heard that. I heard Montana's dope though. Montana is on my bucket list of places to go. I actually think you would
0: love it just as a photographer because there's colors. I don't know if you'll agree with me here, Laura. There's colors in Montana that you don't see other places. Like something that happens with the light. Um, I think Michigan's a little this way too. There's like this magic thing that happens with the light in Montana.
2: Well, Montana is big sky country. It says so on every single license plate (laughs) in Montana. And the skies are spectacular. There's something about the air, the light, the angle of the sun. Like you can see that in Paris. The light in Paris is unique, I think, to Paris and San Francisco. There are certain places in the world that just have a quality about them. That's not, doesn't happen anywhere else.
0: Well, I find it really fascinating just knowing you and knowing that you were a designer for many years and worked in design for a pretty well-known label in New York, right?
2: No, in Los Angeles.
0: You were in Los Angeles. Okay. But I think of you as a city girl. So when you were speaking, people who are watching this on YouTube can't see my reaction, but I was like, you're from Montana. I just <laughs> can't like, because I know you as like the black coats, the like big scarves, like I can't really see that in Montana. So I kind of would love to start out with, as we talk about how you've become a space maker for others, but how did you get from Montana to designing in LA? Cause that's a big part of your story.
2: Well, my father worked for the government, so we moved around a lot. But even in Montana, I started making clothes for my dolls when I was six or seven years old. My mother will help me. So that that fascination with fashion started really, really early for me. And we lived in Montana, North Dakota. We went to Sacramento, California. That was really my first introduction to a big city or a suburban area. And then my parents went back to the Midwest and I went to college in Montana. And then I've lived in a lot of places since. But that spark of, I really want to do something creative with my life. And I really love fashion. It started in Montana. I love that. Yeah. I
0: love that a place that maybe most people might not think of as a spark place actually Mm -hmm. was for you. And did you envision as a kid that you'd end up in a metropolitan like LA? I
2: I didn't. And that's one of the things that's really special to me about going back to that place in Montana is I had no idea what my life was going to look like because my circumstances were so small. You know, Montana, we were in sort of a rural area outside Helena and the people in my like extended family didn't go places or move places or do things. And I really thought that was going to be my life in it hasn't
1: been yeah i think that as a city girl somebody who grew up in la her whole life Mm -hmm. i think that growing up in a place like montana probably leaves you so much room to dream because you don't have the la hustle and bustle Yeah, yeah like everybody in la is beautiful and successful allegedly right so you feel so small in this big pond but when you're in montana everybody has so much upward mobility, so much potential, so much room. The open skies are there to dream, right?
2: There's a lot of places to go when you come from a place that small, but the issue is, is that a lot of people don't even know what's possible. And of course, I grew up before the internet, so a little bit different, some of the people probably listening to this, but I didn't know what was possible for me until I got out in the world and discovered, oh, wow, I can do anything I want. I mean, certainly I knew that I could move anywhere I wanted because we moved around so much when I was a child and I did that, but I really created a life for myself based on what I wanted, which is very different than a lot of people who are from where I'm from.
0: I think that's something I've been processing in my own life as someone who has lived in multiple countries and lived in multiple areas. I don't know if it felt because I grew up in a tiny town on a big lake, like, and I, the world was huge. Um, but I think it was too many possibilities. I don't know mm-hmm. if either of you have experienced that. Um, I'm almost jealous. I, I joke around with her so much, but I love that Josie loves LA and like I like to pick on her about it. Because I would love to have like absolute affinity for one space. Because anytime I'm talking about, oh, I might move to Oregon or I'm thinking about doing this, Josie's like, why?
2: Like she just <laughs> is so
0: like, that's not LA. <laughs> like she's so like faithful to this place in space. And I think part of the reason I've been a space maker is that I, I couldn't figure out and still to this day, I'm trying to figure out where's my space. I'm always fascinated by people who also come from just such a different environment to where they end up.
2: Yeah, and I resonate with that so much because I'm thinking exactly the same thing. I don't need to be in LA. I'm not in a corporate job anymore. I can live anywhere. And I'm thinking, where do I want to go? And for me, it's like, I want to go to a place next that feels like home.
0: Mm. The
2: only place I've ever been in my life where I moved that felt like home was San Francisco. When I moved to San Francisco 20 some years ago, and there was so much diversity and everyone was accepted. It just, I felt this sense of home that oh, I never I love that. felt in LA. Yeah.
0: I had the opposite feeling. I lived in uh, San Francisco for the summer once and I was like this your girl is not a city girl. Like I can parallel park beyond belief because of living in San Francisco, but I did not love I I worked uh pr- primarily in uh with those experiencing homelessness and they were fantastic fantastic organizations I work with. Loved the people Did not love the like, wow, it is so anxiety provoking just to go to the grocery store Mm. because everyone and their mom seem to be, you know, stressed out trying to get to the grocery store. So I think, um, it's those little things that you kind of take note of as you go along. I think as you figure out like what home feels like, and as we're in like the holiday season, you can see both Josie and I have, um, Christmas trees behind us, um, the the thing that kind of is i think we're all looking for home and that in hallmark has that figured out and you know all these things are trying to sell us this thing and so i think part of the story that i find so fascinating with yours is in some ways you were a hallmark movie i mean you like were from montana you st- did you study design in college
2: no i have a college degree in mathematics oh my god <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh-huh. But, but this, is, this is why it makes sense. I was in a lot of engineering disciplines and then I just ended up with so many math credits that I took the math degree to get out. I knew I wanted to be in fashion. But engineering and mathematics is about problem solving. And I think that's what a lot of design is about. It's about creating, it's about figuring things out, it's about building things. So I see similarities in the
0: We two. are only laughing because you're like the third person we've <laughs> talked to in design who started out. And like, I'm thinking about, um, you know, even like, Bloom's done right. What did she start out in? She was a business major, now she's a florist. Right, and then, you know, in fact, we talked to someone who, uh, she is an engineer, but started doing fashion design, because it was, like, exactly what you're talking about, this um, Anna Craft, who, or Anna Craft, who invented Zena Workwear, she's like, there's a problem, and I could solve it, and I think Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a unique thing, and design is actually, a problem in some ways that needs to be solved. And I've never thought about it in that way until this moment, Laura Foster, bringing in the the wisdom. (laughs) Um, So then you ended up, how did you end up in LA? Because then I think part of the story is then how did you end up with the job that everyone would thought everyone should stay in forever And then what made the transition and how did you get to where you are now? That's a lot of questions, just go.
2: Yeah, and I'll try to be succinct here. So I (laughs) I knew I wanted to be in fashion. I spent all of my twenties traveling around living in some fabulous places, working in restaurants and art galleries. And I ended up in Maui for two years and Maui Community College had a fashion program. So I thought I need to get serious about my career because I was 28. So I started fashion school and moved to San Francisco to help a couple friends of mine from college start a business. Um, ended up working for a Summer Tompkins' daughter, no Susie Tompkins' daughter Summer. She had this little hat and handbag company. I went in as a production assistant, which is watching cut tickets and moving bolts of fabric around and worked my way up to a design job with her. Moved to Oxnard from San Francisco, which is our under- director job, thinking I'm going to move to the country and make vinegars in my kitchen. And it was such culture shock. To move to oxnard from san francisco it wasn't for me and then i decided to take a year off and write a book I was going to go to colorado and stay with my sister and 9 11 happened and everybody started screaming at me you'll never get a job in fashion again you're in a superfluous industry and so i took a job in la that was supposed to be for three months and it ended up being 17 years i was with that job and i did i did reach the pinnacle in this career that i'd set out to excel in um, I worked for a good company. I was making good money. I traveled well. And then in 2007, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and it forced me to really look at everything that was going on in my life. And I realized this job that I was supposed to love, that was supposed to bring me so much satisfaction, I hated it. I wasn't happy. It wasn't making me happy. I didn't get married. I didn't have kids because I was so focused on career. And it, you know, with a diagnosis like that, it's like, well, now what do I do? How do I get myself out of this? I'm already so entrenched in this career. I don't know what to do next. I didn't know anything about coaching at the time. Certainly yeah. I could have hired a coach at that time. It would have helped me so much, but I had to figure out a different path for myself.
0: I, I mean, I think that's the, it's the story of so many people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have been sold this story for so long that if you get the job, then you're gonna like, then you'll get the happiness. And uh, you just can kind of keep spiraling around the human doing thing like, okay, but I've got like, you know what, the next thing, the next achievement, that is when, that is when I am going to have had enough. And then I can like figure out the next thing. I I had this conversation with Josie the other day because I love about her as someone who is just constantly about, I got to get this done. I'm not doing enough. I'm never doing enough you know, her and I even working on this podcast, I'm like, what do we do to grow it? And she's just like, I think it just happens organically. And it like was the most freeing moment. She was like, just looking at me, like, what do you want to happen, Sarah? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like, how do we, I love it so much. And I want other people to love it. She's like, then other people will love it. (laughs) Like She just has zero anxiety about it. And I love that because I think she won't buy into this. Thing that I think both you and I Laura bought into for a long time that is if we can just make space enough just for the next thing the next thing the next thing and you're like climbing this ladder and then you get to the top and you're like the
2: hell do I even want up here <laughs> yeah. do you want to be up here and if I don't want to be up here what on earth do I do
1: Yeah, I think I was kind of knocked. I was very much on that trajectory. I mean, I'm only 25, so I guess I could go back to it if I wanted to. But I was kind of knocked off my um, high horse because (laughs) I was the kind of person who was like, I'm never going to get married because I don't like society's expectations for wives (laughs) and women. But then this random guy shows up and all of a sudden I'm head over heels. Mm. And I'm not a romantic, so I don't know how to even express I married some guy, right? And he, he says that, but her wow.
2: poetry
0: about him is some of the most, like literally I wrote it when I was at their um, ceremony they uh, did at the start of COVID. I'm like writing down, she wrote this beautiful poem about him and I'm writing it down and I'm like, this is so romantic. And she doesn't see that as romantic
1: at all. I mean, the the poetry is I'm just, I I know how to write it down. I don't know how to express it, you know, in a I'm too much of a humorist to ah. be a comedian. But so I was knocked out when I met him and we moved in together and I had all these dreams of going to get my MFA in Ireland and living in Ireland for a while before coming back to LA and being this curator, museum person or whatever, being in the arts. And I met this guy and he's like a real adult. Like he's a he's a chemist for like a real paint company. <laughs> with, <laughs> he's going to make real money. He's going to be the the breadwinner, which really knocked me down because I've always been like I'm going to be the breadwinner. I'm going to have a stay-at-home husband and blah, 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 blah. And now the way my life is going, it's I'm going to uh, probably adopt 10 children and be a stay-at-home entrepreneur for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't be a stay-at-home mom because I am way too um, ambitious for that. But stay-at-home entrepreneur, garage I- full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> With a garage. My
0: goal is to have a garage full of crap. Um, <laughs> I think... Laura, once you got that diagnosis, yeah. that really was a moment for you where you transitioned. And then how did you find out about coaching?
2: So after that diagnosis, I ended up going back to that job and I stayed for, I stayed until about three years ago. So I see like another seven years in that job or longer. And, but I knew that something needed to change in my life. So I ended up in a kundalini yoga teacher training program. And at some point in that program, I just got the call to be a coach. I didn't know what coaching was. I never had a coach, but Martha Beck had a column in Oprah magazine, Oprah's magazine. Oh, I thought, that's what I want to do. That's what I'd be really good at. Because all my life, people have come to me with their sad, sad stories and I've held space for them. And I thought, that's what I want to do. It was a calling, I think, for me. So I started looking around for coaching training programs, and I found that University of Santa Monica in Santa Monica had a, a training program for coaches, but in order to do it, you had to do their master's degree program in spiritual psychology first, and I didn't think that was for me, but I went to an informational evening, and Ron Helnick, who runs the program, said from the stage, I'll never forget it. If you come do this program, in two years, you'll have a different job, and you might sit at the same desk, and you might work with the same people, but you're going to change so much inside that your job will be different. And I just knew in my gut, like sign me up because I needed something to change. So I did that program. I did an advanced program with them called Consciousness, Health and Healing, which is about how health and wellness in the body is related to consciousness. I did their coaching program. I started taking coaching clients. I fell in love with it. And three years ago, I made the leap and I've been an entrepreneur ever since. And it's it's. You know, fashion was really, I believe a calling to me also because I'd wanted it so much since I was a child. And I believe that as creatives in the world that we morph and grow and change. And I was called to this work.
0: I love that. I love that. Because I think um, we talk to a lot of people in the season of transition, just, I mean, everyone always is. And we, again, this narrative that like you find the thing you do the thing, and then that's the thing. And then when that's not the thing, I think so often people walk around going, well, what is the thing? And it's not, what is the thing? It's who is the person? And that's what mm-hmm. that's what I hear you really helping people understand. Um, and I, I love even the thing like, you'll be doing the same job, you'll just be doing it differently. And I mean, as much as, I joke around with Joe's. I mean, sitting with her, like, I'm like, oh, right. I'm not doing this, like, because this is gonna pay the bills. I'm doing this because I love doing it. I don't have to, we don't have to, like, nail it. Like, (laughs) where this is the thing. Like, um, it's one of my favorite lines in a movie ever is this moment where, um, from Nick and Nora's playlist there, that I always talk about it because at the end of this movie, they're like, they've run around, they've tried, they're supposed to go see this band. And he says, um, or she says to the guy, aren't you sad that we missed it and he says no this is it and i think that's the that's the like transitional moment when you go oh this moment is the moment okay now this moment is the moment instead of like over the like, I got to get to that thing, and I think so often the boss babe mentality of you've got to own it and have that goal and then run towards. I just wish everyone could see Josie's face when I said the word it's boss babe.
1: Um Yeah, I like to say I'm not a boss babe; I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> I should buy you a bedazzled shirt. This is boss babe.
0: Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, you'd never wear that. Uh, <laughs> what do you think is a key when people come to you? How do you, first of all, how do they come to you? What are, what is their like, uh, like are they in a state of, I need to change everything or I can't keep going this way? Um, What is it usually that drives people to start to realize I can't maintain this?
2: People come to me for a lot of different reasons, but mainly they come to me when they've reached some level of success in their lives, and I'm putting that in quotation marks because I felt I was successful in my life I had the outer trappings of being successful. I didn't feel successful inside and I wasn't really fulfilling what is really in alignment for me here so people come to me when they felt some sort of success on the outside, but inside they're thinking is this it there's got to be something more than this. I want something more than this. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know how to get there. And I find when people are in that stage, they're really willing to go in and do the work to figure out, not figure out. It's not about figuring out, but to realize who am I? Who do I want to be in the world? How do I want to contribute? How do I want to make a difference? Who do I want my legacy to be?
0: Oh, gosh. It's
2: for me. When I get to work with people in that space who are really thinking about more than just what do I want for the next couple of years? Like, why am I really here? Mm. What is my purpose here?
0: Do you feel like that is a big, I I feel like this year has been raw. Yeah. I feel like this year has been raw. I, I don't have another word for it, but raw in that creatives and people who are just that little bit more tuned in have been going, there's something about this year um, from COVID to like uh, the amazing movement of Black Lives Matter to even like the, you guys remember like the Me Too stuff was happening early in this year. I mean, there has been so much raw 2020. Do you feel like people are asking that bigger question more now?
2: Absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, there's so many people who are especially questioning their relationship with work right now. People who are losing their jobs are afraid of losing their jobs. People who thought that their jobs were so stable and it wasn't. I mean, my job, I had a hard time leaving because I thought it was so stable and so secure. And everyone at my level in design at that company was laid off because of COVID. Some of them have been there over 20 years. So I would have been laid off. So if I hadn't done this, like left and started my own company, I would have been laid off this year. So my job as an entrepreneur is actually more stable than that super safe corporate job that I had. And I think it's interesting for people to realize that the safety and security that they believed are there, isn't really there. Like true safety and true security comes from within us. It comes from within us knowing I can make money whenever I want. I can take care of myself. I'm always going to be okay.
0: Oh, like I think I just need to write that on my like mirror
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) daily, like I'm going to be
0: okay. And I think, yeah. This has uh, rocked us to the core. And that's usually when, you know, like at the beginning of all this, uh, you say, I was saying like, listen to the poets, listen to the musicians, give them a minute. They need to process what's happening, but listen to them because some amazing art is going to come out of this year. Amazing art, um, painful, honest, open art designers, um, because they're solving problems. Right. Yeah. And kind of stepping into that. So Mm -hmm. how do, if you were thinking about how do people start that, if they're, if they're feeling that thing in, um, what are some of the questions you get them to ask themselves if they're in that process to figure out like whether or not coaching is for them?
2: Yeah, that's such a great question. And I find that especially when it comes to people in their work, so many people are dissatisfied with work and they think, oh, the answer is to get a different job. But I can say in my experience, like all my bosses were terrible. Is that really true? Or was it me? It was me and it was about the way I was interacting with them, right? So there's so much opportunity in being in a job, even if it's not satisfying for you, in working through all of the opportunities there, for you to learn about yourself, for you to grow. So that in whatever you move on to, if you do move on to something, that you move on to something without all that baggage and cleaner, so you can have a better experience. And so some of the questions might be, what do you want to create in your life? Like a lot of people don't even have a vision for what they want to create in their future, a year out, five years out. And it doesn't have to be a specific timeline, but with that vision, you don't have any idea where you're going. And so how can you make decisions today? I ask people, uh, what are your greatest challenges in your life right now? What do you want to create in your life? What keeps you up at night? What do you worry most about? What do you feel is missing in your life? What did you think would have happened by now that hasn't? Those types of questions can really open people up to hmm i'm ready to answer some of those questions and i'm ready to get support in doing that <laughs> i'm imagining
0: you sitting across the desk just because of knowing you personally you're talking to some c-level people yeah. that have never been asked about their feelings yeah do you find that super difficult for them to let that guard down because they're still.
2: And what something that's really important about coaching is meeting, meeting the client where they're at. So Mm. I have a master's degree in spiritual psychology. I consider myself to be a deeply spiritual person and I bring spirituality into my work, but a lot of the clients I work with don't know that. Mm right? So I have C-level executives who are really stressed out, and we don't talk about meditation. We talk about, can you take five minutes in silence in the morning with your coffee, with no radio, no newspaper, just looking out the window? Because that five minutes for them is five minutes they're carving out for themselves. They're telling themselves they're important. They're sitting in quiet. And as we know, that's where inspiration can come in. when We get quiet, right?
0: Yeah. I wonder if that's a little bit of this covid vibe too um mm-hmm. is that we're getting quiet i just left isolation after having covid so fun guys don't get it um i followed all the rules and still got it so it is a very mysterious and difficult thing but um i will say this it being home and not having my energy and being forced to slow down uh and it is, it is a difficult thing if you're a go getter, but I think it's important. And, and I think that's the, hopefully that's the lesson of, of this year. I'm afraid we're gonna start back up though. Like, you know, everyone gets the vaccine and we just go running full speed in my ahead. And that's my fear.
2: Well, and the truth is everybody has a choice in that, whether they're gonna take what they learned from this year, whatever that is, and integrated into their lives so they have a different experience going forward or if they're willing to just slip back into the experience they were having before.
1: Yeah, I feel, I've loved COVID. <laughs> Not like the actual <laughs> pandemic, but thanks. <laughs> the, uh, the slowing down, I'm a huge fan of. I have been continuously working on my inner peace, as they say. And it's nice to be surrounded, on social media at least, by people who are doing the same, like finally recognizing that they were doing too much, trying too hard, um, even spending way too much time on social media. And I think it's a good uh, detox, I guess is the word it would be for a lot of people. And I mean, COVID has been really shitty for a lot of people too, but I feel like society as a whole is gonna change for the better, hopefully, because now, I mean, with the whole Black Lives Matter thing, with the whole, you know, recognizing your privilege because you didn't lose your job, mm-hmm. I like people now are gonna realize more so that, you know, I don't know, that life's not, that's not that serious. <laughs> life's
0: not that serious. That's good, actually. Um, when when you've sort of started that process, mm-hmm. um it's interesting that Josie even used the word um, detox. So detox, like I think about back in the day when you would start using an acne medication, things would get worse before it got better.
1: Allegedly. You,
0: allegedly. Uh, shut up. I have perfect skin. Um, <laughs> do did you, uh, do you experience that? Do you think when people begin the process of opening themselves up to the sort of questioning and making space for themselves in a way they never have before? Do things get worse before they get better? Like, is it a realization like it was for you that, wait a minute, I don't know that I want to do this anymore.
2: I don't know that I would say it gets worse before it gets better, but A lot of people aren't in touch with their emotions and couldn't even properly identify their emotions if you ask them, right? So just them opening up to their emotions and starting to get clear about taking that little breath between something happening and them reacting, like, how am I feeling about this? What's going Mm. on for me? What am I telling myself about this? Like that simple, um, that simple little step can make such a difference in them realizing they have choice. So it can be challenging in the beginning of a coaching relationship at a coach if emotions start to come up for people. Absolutely. But that isn't everyone's experience. It really depends on the client and what they're looking for. And the shifts can be remarkable. It's incredible what can happen for people, sometimes in a very short amount of time.
1: Yeah, I can imagine it's. I, uh, having done a lot of therapy in my life, not to brag, (laughs) a lot of, a lot of my (laughs) very therapized, uh, a lot of my biggest shifts have come after complete breakdowns Mm -hmm. and I, it's so, yeah, I just think it's the work that you do is so important because yeah, not everybody's going to have a complete breakdown and then be like, oh, I'm angry all the time. (laughs) Um, but uh, I think people finally sitting in who they are and realizing what they want outside of what they think they want is really the best way to change the world. Right, starting within oneself. So you're uh, changing the world, Laura. I don't know if you uh, knew that.
2: Yeah. Well, I Let totally you know. know that. I totally know that. <laughs> and, it, and it's totally true. Like the biggest thing that happens is people like come home to themselves. Mm-hmm. When people realize who they truly are, like the power that they have in the world, not from a, I'm going to take over the world part of it, but the power we have to show up in our loving in situations, to share who we truly are with other people, to hold space for other people. Mm-hmm. that is so incredible. And when people start to see that in themselves, they don't just see themselves as a cog in a wheel. They start to see themselves as part of something greater. And I think that's when the magic starts to happen.
0: Yeah, there's a a difference between setting goals and setting a vision. I mean, and mm-hmm. I we all we all well not Josie because you were a baby, but we all mm-hmm. went through like the '90s when they like made everything into like vision casting and paradigm mm-hmm. shifting and all that sort of stuff. And it was still just a, a different way of goal setting. And um, goal setting it, it has its place. What would you say is the sort of the mix of goal setting versus vision casting and, um, how does that help one move forward? Does that make sense? What I'm asking?
2: Absolutely. hundred percent. So when I work with someone in one of our introductory conversations, we always talk about what they want to create a year out, Mm. but it's not just about, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. It's deeper than that. Like, why do you want to make $100,000? $100,000 is never about the money. It's about security. It's about prestige. It's about something else. So it's getting in touch with why do I want to create what I want? Finding some enthusiastic, energizing language. I'm sure you all know about affirmations around that. It can help them see where they want to go, not just from a top level, but from where do I want to be emotionally? Mm -hmm. How do I want to be with myself in a year? Right? I want to show up with confidence in meetings, for example. I want to speak my mind. I want to have impeccable boundaries with myself. I want to show up in my integrity. I want to know that I'm the most important person in my life.
0: Ooh, okay. Whoa, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the one thing I always get in trouble for saying in my family is like, I love myself and I'm going to take care of myself first that's really what it is and in the Mexican culture that's just not the way it is right when you're a woman you take care of your husband first and then your children it's like I don't want to be something to somebody all the time I want to be something for me it's about me
2: in a lot of cultures that's the case where the woman takes a back seat and yeah yeah
0: well I mean I think it's uh Laura I think about a conversation you and I had, and hopefully I'm not telling secrets outside of uh, our conversation, our confidences as a coach and a pastor, but you were sharing with me that you got as specific with yourself as I want this certain rug in my apartment. Oh. And I was like, what? <laughs> but then because that rug indicates to me that I'm at a place where I feel comfortable buying beautiful things for myself, where my my space is a space I can welcome other people into, um, and I think it's we. It's what's the thing behind the thing. And if we don't pause and ask what's the thing behind the thing, we're just running the rat race and doing what the thing that everybody's told us to do. Um, and there's a loss of self in a way that, unf- you don't want a cancer diagnosis to be the thing that gets you there.
2: No, <laughs> I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Cause it was, it changed my life definitely, but it was not an easy journey for me by any stretch of the imagination as facing one mortality is never
0: no fun thing. No, and that's maybe what we're in the midst of for a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. Are figuring out that maybe we don't live forever. And it's a, and by maybe, I mean, guys, here's the secret, none of us get out of this alive. <laughs> yeah. None of Christ. us.
1: None of us, life's not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> life's not, right.
0: That's our next t-shirt. Life's not that serious, Josie. Yeah. Um, I have loved chatting with you I really absolutely have. I want to ask a question that I know you're going to have a great answer for, which is because you're it, cheating. well, cheater. not she's not a cheater, but she does listen to the podcast. But of my question, I knew it's a great podcast. I love <laughs> Thank it. Thank You, oh, thanks. We'll take that. That's a five star review on iTunes. Yes. Um, I, how, what is one tangible way that someone can make them space for themselves or others? Like if they're hearing this and they're like. I feel like there's going to be a group of people listening to this and their heart is going to be like, yes. And then they're going to be like, now what, um, what would you say is one tangible way to make space for yourself and others in this idea of vocation?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So to me, one of the most important thing that any of us can do as humans is listen to other people, listen to ourselves and listen to other people Truly listen and listen to understand, not listen to respond not formulating what I'm going to say next or my grocery list, but really mm-hmm. listen to other people, truly 100%, because most people are never listened to in that way. Mm-hmm. And so for us to show up in the world, listen to other people, see them, really see them, and then to turn that lens on ourselves, what do I really want? I if love we're upset that. about something, what's really going on with me? Because it's never about the instance that happens. It's not about the boss yelling at us. It's about what we believe about ourselves inside. So, being willing to hold space for ourselves and listen inside, what's really going on with me? If this isn't about the situation in front of me, what's the deeper cut here? Right. And learn from this.
0: Right. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Laura, for joining us on the podcast. Now, my next question for you is how yes. can people get in touch with you? What is the easiest way to get in touch with you?
2: There's a couple of ways. You can follow me on Instagram, it's very simple at Laura Foster Coaching. Uh, that's also my website. You can go there and learn
0: more about me and reach out to me there. Great. Yeah. Hire her. Give her your money. (laughs) (laughs) Josie's great at marketing. Yeah.
2: I can see that. I can see
0: that. Give us your money. Um, (laughs) Josie, people can get in touch with us on Instagram at making spaces podcast. They can get in touch with us by, uh, listening on any form or just going to anchor.fm slash making spaces leave us a voicemail we're so bummed we haven't gotten any in a while friends we know you listen so leave us some voicemail we just want to know where your favorite space is i mean that's not too much to ask it
1: Takes two seconds come on guys uh, also
0: you can get merchandise which is super fun i got sent a picture of someone in one of our shirts today so you can go to society6 dash slash why do i say dash slash Mm -hmm. making spaces podcast anything else i'm missing josie where else can they find us
1: uh well we now have a new website thanks to me um and (laughs) lovely thank you it (laughs) is makingspacespodcast.com everything will be on there if you want just one little hub uh you can find us on youtube at uh just search making spaces podcast i guess um We have a Patreon, a brand new Patreon. That's right, we want your money and we'll give you stuff in return, of course. You can start off with prints. You can start off with a quarterly maker's merch box. That's right, maker's merch. Um, and you can find that at patreon.com slash making spaces podcast. Oh, that me. was a lot of things, but
0: most of all, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, listen, leave a review and, uh, share with us if you got a spacemaker you want us to chat with. Cause we'll ask anyone to talk to us. Yeah. Thanks so much friends.